Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for same race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. 1021 here on SENZ and uh, we're... Got a really cool panel this morning. I'm looking forward to talking to these two people. Ross Carl, of course, these days uh, of Sky Sport has a lot of involvement with uh, all of the magazine debating podcast type shows. Here, hosts one of his own, uh, and of course, Nikki Styrus joins us again. And uh, Nikki was also on SENZ uh, yesterday, I believe, uh, with Ricardo Ball for around about an hour. So it's uh, great that she uh, is able to come on again with us this morning. Nikki, first of all, thank you. And the other thing. Um, if, uh, in years to come, what will be... Oh, sorry, Nicky's just dropped out for a second. Ross Cole. Uh, in years to come, Ross, good morning to you. What will your uh, endearing memory of the Tokyo Games be? Well, I think it has to be... It's morning, Smithy, um, by the way. Uh, it would have to be the high jump final where those two guys shared the gold, you know, and they were best mates and they'd been to each other's wedding and they got to a point where they were asked the question. They said, no, we're both going to go with it and jumped into each other's arms. It was... You know, unprecedented. I've never seen anything like that before. So I think that'll be the one thing that I remember. I kind of, you know, Ross, I kind of expected Lydia to, Lydia Ko to do something like that to the, the, the other girl that she was competing <laughs> against, the Japanese girl. So say, hey, why don't we just take a silver each, eh? Yeah, well, that's the interesting thing about these games, isn't it? When you look at the way that sports, we talk about uh, the game's integrity being changed by bringing in these new sports. Sometimes these new sports have their integrity questioned by the games. When has there ever been a playoff between the, the two second equal people in the game of golf for a silver or a bronze medal? You know, the second equal just take their cash and they leave. Um, Lydia should have gone home with silver because the way that golf works is that you have second equal. Why do we change the rules of these sports so the Olympic Games can have their silver and their bronze in some cases? I thought that was really weird. Yeah, that's quite an interesting point you make, actually. Uh, Nikki Storis, good morning to you. Uh, listen, your endearing memory of these games. If I, if I sat down, I, I, I know you like a tipple, in three years' time and had a glass of wine with you, what would be your endearing memory of these games? Oh, it's really, look, it's really hard because there's been, there's been so so many, and I have to say I've just been engrossed in it for two weeks. I mean, I guess it's, it's what do you judge it on? Is it, you know, to me, you sit there and you go, is Lisa Carrington the best? Because, you know, there was so so much expectation on her, and she absolutely delivered plus. Or, you know, is it the ones that were unexpected? Um, but, I you know, I think... There's one that particularly stands out for me, and that was the men's rowing eight. Um, it was really hard to go past that because I think the way they got there was just phenomenal. I mean, they what the last chance regatta to even make it into the eights at the Olympics, and then to have to go through the repechage 
and then win the repechage and then go on and win the final. I mean, to me, that was just like, I was yelling at the TV when I was watching that at work and I just, um, it, it just, it's etched in my memory and it's, it's a blue ribbon event as well. So, you know, everybody always watches those ones. So that, that to me definitely stood out, but gosh, wasn't there some fantastic emotional victories and, and, and me being an ex-trampolinist, I have to say that uh, Dylan Schmidt's uh, yeah. bronze medal certainly holds a warm place in my heart. Absolutely, and I can understand it. Actually, it's interesting that Mike Stanley talked about the eights above everything else uh, from his point of view, and of course he thought that it's quite a romantic thing to see them back in the water and powering down and winning that gold medal with uh, Hamish Bond in the back of the boat. That was also quite interesting. Uh, Ross, did you manage to catch the marathon? Because one of the things that uh, I've noticed about... <laughs> Uh, and we sort of we sort of take it for granted, but it's been very, very evident, very evident uh, about the conditions of the people who were performing outside, basically, in these Olympic Games. Man, it was oppressing. Uh, the marathon for me, uh, the carnage at the finish line. For instance, thirty didn't finish. Thirty men did not finish that marathon. Yeah, the health and safety people would have been out in force in New Zealand. There's no way it would have gone ahead. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I watched the race walk as well, and I was thinking the same thing. You know, apart from the fact that it's a bizarre sport, um, it really, you know, it, it, should it start at three in the morning? When do you do this to make sure these people aren't, you know, keeling over? And, you know, we've seen instances where athletes have, have suffered some serious health problems in all sorts of sports. Um, over the last few years, and it's become a, a much bigger thing to make sure that we're looking after their safety. Is it safe? Is it safe to hold a marathon in, in oppressive heat like that? I remember doing live crosses from Tokyo, and I walked away drenched. You know, <laughs> um, mm. you, you, it's it's too much. Oh, I I looked at it, you know, and I watched our guy, and I thought he was it was a pretty gutsy run. I always like seeing. Uh, when you're watching sporting events, seeing the silver fern somewhere there or thereabouts. So Malcolm Hicks, he was our second uh, competitor. He finished 64th. Zane Robertson finished 36th. When he crossed the line, uh, I just saw him collapse, and then I didn't know much more about it. Uh, this morning I pick up a, an article, Nikki, and it says, somehow I got to the finish line running on fumes, even though I don't remember anything or finishing. After finishing, I woke up in the medical tent in an ice bath with a thermometer up my ass. Now, that's a very Kiwi thing to say for a start. <laughs> well, I tell you what, he's not going to forget that bit, is he? <laughs> he's, he's not going to collapse again in a hurry, is he? <laughs> no, no, he'll be thinking, no, stay awake, stay awake, this is not going to end well. Um, look, I, look, I think that is, it's, it's phenomenal, and that's what I love about the Olympics, is that these stories that emerge... Forget though too that Zane Robertson has been training in, you know, the likes of Ethiopia and Kenya. Now that's not a cool environment, so it must have been absolutely ridiculously hot, and it's really hard for us to get a gauge of that when we're sitting back here in the middle of winter. But yeah, uh, he didn't remember the final ten kilometres. I I don't think I would have kept running if that was me. <laughs> was just falling off. I can't imagine. I just can't imagine that, Ross. I just I just can't want. For one second, not remembering um, 10 kilometres, which even at a really good rate, is about 33 or 34 minutes of a race and not remember any fact of it. Yeah, it's tough. Like, And when I say tough, I mean he's tough. Like, wow, to keep going when your body's under that much stress just because you want to get to the line that badly. That, that's a hell of a thing to achieve. And maybe they deserve a medal for that. <laughs> Elliot, Elliot Kipchoge, yeah, maybe they should. Elliot Kipchoge from Kenya won it. Uh, he toyed with him in the end. He just blasted away 
and, and was so damn dominant that some people are calling him, Nicky Styrus, the greatest athlete of all time. People saying there'll never be another one like him. We're witnessing something special. Uh, is, are we just getting a bit carried away there? I mean, there's been some pretty good athletes over the years, but uh, is, that, is that a fair call? Oh, look, I'm not an, a marathon expert. I mean, obviously, he's a phenomenal athlete, but the same could have been said of Mo Farah, too, and look how that ended. You know, I, I think you just... You, I, I, is that really bad for me to say that? I feel a sort of element of scepticism sometimes when you see someone <laughs> dominate like that, which but, but, <laughs> is bit bad, but um, look, obviously phenomenal, phenomenal um, athlete, and yeah, and he certainly is uh, one of the best, but you, you know, there's been so many of those athletes through the years and that dominate for a while, and it's certainly going to take some beating, but I wonder I wonder how those blood tests will turn out. Oh, that's bad, isn't it? Ah. <laughs> Ooh, okay, fair enough, fair enough. You heard it first here on SNZ, <laughs> Nicky Styrus. A little quiet question there in the background. Hey, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Ross. Yeah, I, I, I'm. A, a, I'm not the same in that, in that respect because I, I actually believe I trusted Lance Armstrong till I really, till I found out. I just want to, I'm, you know, Roy the Rovers. I want those. I want those magical things to be true. Um, but uh, uh, for me, I, I've never seen a guy dominate that kind of race in those conditions the way he did. Ross, it was just, and he had them just where he wanted them, and you felt like as soon as he said green light go, it was he was all over Red Rover. There's been a few moments like that during the games as well, haven't there? Lane Thompson, Hera, she's like that as well. Where you just sit back and go, "Wow, you're fast!" You know, <laughs> how do people do that? You know, and two Olympics in a row for her. It's quite incredible to see the feats of uh, athleticism. The fact they're sprinting basically for 42 k's and, and doing yeah. it as they do it. But uh, for me, I worry Crazy. about the term goat. I, we're obsessed with calling everyone the greatest of all time, all the time. Every single time someone does anything, we're like, are they the greatest? Are they the greatest? And I'm just, I, I want to ban that word from the vocabulary for a little while. Okay, fair enough. Well, hey, stay with us, please, uh, Ross Carl and Nikki Storris, because I've, I'll, I'll give you a warning what I'm going to ask you after the break. Uh, we love beating Australia, uh, but are we loving watching rugby at the moment? Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Ten thirty-three here on SENZ with Ross Carl and Nikki Styrus this morning. Uh, they are the members of the panel as we chew the fat on a couple of issues. I, I warned them before the break. I was going to ask them about the rugby pertaining really to Saturday night's win. Nikki Styrus, it's always great to beat Australia, but I, I walked away from that game, even having talked about it stupidly for about eighty minutes, a little bit hollow, uh, just a little bit hollow about the whole thing, and a bit dissatisfied with the whole occasion. <laughs> I think I think first, first of all, um, it was weird having that Bledisloe Cup sort of tacked in where the Olympics was on because I don't know about you, but my focus for the last two weeks has been the Olympics and I, you know how much I love my league. Um, I don't think I even watched the Warriors games over that time and, and I actually went to the rugby um, at Eden Park on Saturday night and a little bit like you, I came out sort of, oh, well, we won it, but it was a little bit underwhelming and I think the reason a little bit is we have such high expectations for our All Blacks and so and it's particularly the Bledisloe Low Cup because it's such a, an old rivalry but it was very un-All Black like that, that whole game um, I sort of I sort of put it down to three thirds, really. It was a very scratchy start, um, the first third, and I thought, you know, it was riddled with errors. It was it, they, they spun the ball wide very early. We looked a little bit flat on, on attack. And then we went into that sort of 
we had that good period um, just straight, well, just before halftime and after halftime. But then we had that last third where it was so un-all black-like. We're normally very, very good off the bench. We normally, you know, hit our straps at the 80-minute mark. We were just, we were awful. And we let those three late tries in. So, um, no, I, I wasn't overly impressed. But, hey, a win's a win. And, you know, it's a Bledisloe Cup that's almost ours again to put away. So I guess you can't complain about that. Ross, what, what did you think of Saturday night? I mean, yeah, it, it, a win is a win. Uh, we're one nil up, and you know we're uh, only one more win away from holding the Bledisloe Cup again. Uh, and I stress again, if you're listening in Australia, uh, the, the fact of the matter is this: um, do we do the fans deserve more? Uh, I guess that's what I'm getting at. Is rugby delivering? Yeah, look, I, I think that rugby as a whole is rugby as a whole delivering. Probably not right now. I think it's delivered through some of the Super Rugby campaign, but the uh, the test matches from the All Blacks, I think if you look back over the last three years or so, the game on Saturday was kind of reflective of the way that things have been for a while. Um, maybe a lack of discipline, maybe poor at the breakdown at times, um, moments of absolute genius and brilliance, which make up for the fact that there's probably a lack of consistency on the field and also lack of consistency with selections. You know, when you look at this team... It's a team where you don't know who's going to play week by week. And you can't expect constant performance from teams that are constantly changing. We don't have any idea outside of maybe Brody, Sam Whitelock, um, Artie Savio, although he switches positions around, and Aaron Smith, who's going to be in this team week by week. And in order to see classical Blacks performances, and I'm thinking you know, the kind that we had back in 2015 where you could name 1 through 15 easily every single week, um, we need to find some cohesion and there needs to be a consistent selection. Selection. I want to see exactly the same team, injury barring, next weekend so these guys can get used to each other, get used to the rules, get used to the game plan, instead of just switching constantly. And so they don't really even have a chance to reach their peak. Yeah, I like that theory. It's, it's the old coach's theory of you guys got it wrong. I'll give you one more chance to get it right. And I, and I, I sort of run with that, even even at that level. Now, Nikki, you'll be very satisfied being a leaguey, of course, now that rugby have adopted another couple of your rules at international level. Uh, they have a goal line dropout now in rugby union, and they have a 50-22 kicking zone as well. So, I mean, it's, it's just getting closer and closer all the time. <laughs> well, there's never going to be league, let's face it. I must admit, the first 10 minutes of that test on the... Saturday night I sat there looking into my glass of wine because there were so many stoppages with um, scrums and then, you know, line-outs. And, oh, put me to sleep. You know me. I prefer I prefer action in leagues where the action is. But, and I'm going to have to be brutally honest here. I didn't know much about the new rules until the person I was sitting next to actually explained to me. And I thought, I think, well, that's definitely a move in the right direction. But, um, yeah, it remains to be seen how, how it actually all plays out. But I don't know. I'm a little bit like Ross. Rugby to me is is it delivering as a sport. Yeah, discipline was poor. Um, I don't know. I just get a bit bored. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. It is is one of the reasons. Then Ross is it. You know, I I made the point this morning that when you've got four officials uh, officiating an eighty minute game of rugby, you've got a referee, you've got two ARs, and you've got a TMO who's basically the chairman of the board sitting upstairs. Uh, is are you just asking for stoppages? Are you asking for review? Are you asking for trouble? 
Well, you are, and especially when you see what Rassi Erasmus did over in the um, Springboks Lions tour and the pressure he put on Ben O'Keefe, you're asking for even more of that. You know, um, it kind of it worked in their favour in the end. Uh, you know, all of the calls were right in that second test match between the Lions and South Africa. But, you know, if you've got so much um, interest and so fine a detail looked at by coaches week in, week out, at what the referees are doing, the referees are then, of course, going to take more time to make sure they don't get criticised. And, of course, they're going to consult more with the people around them. It's, this is the way that it's going because that's the way that we've forced it to be. You know, it used to be that a bad refereeing decision was just part of the folklore. You know, you copped it sweet and you talked about it and you joked about it in 20 years' time in the bar and, and that's the way that it was. Remember that terrible call that cost us that test match? That was an abomination. Now... You know, we're getting close to the point where those things shouldn't be happening and it's taking 10 minutes extra a game to get to that point and, and yet we're still getting some of those mistakes anyway. Um, I, I would be a fan of more of it just being called on the fly. Trust your officials. Nikki Styrus, you said you've been watching the Olympics so much you've, you've even neglected watching the Warriors. You've missed two victories. How about them Warriors? What's happening there? <laughs> Well, you know that. Oh, no, you know they are the team of unpredictability. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's a really hard one to put you. Uh, as soon as Roger Tuivasa-Shek um, left, and hang on, hang on, gonna give my daughter her shirt. There you go, madam. Goodbye. Passing over the uh, white shirt that my daughter forgot. Um, yeah, as soon as Roger left, I thought to myself, "Oh, this is going to be uh, an abomination. That's because we're going to get smashed every week from from here." And yet, for some reason, they've managed to somehow pull it together. And as, what do we say, Ross, at Newsub? There's still a mathematical chance of making the top up. I mean, we say that every year. <laughs> it was, it's a saying, and it, and it still holds true. And I think um, probably one of the key things has been the introduction of um, Lodge, and I think having Adam Fanua Blake back has certainly made a huge difference. That The two of them, um, as forwards, have set, certainly stepped up, and that has, has helped the cause of the Warriors. Uh, it's still a season, as far as I'm concerned, probably gone, um, even though I didn't really watch the last two games. I think they do have a good run home. I think they don't play a team that's rated higher than seventh. So that in itself bodes well. But once again, have they left their run too late? I would say probably yes. Ah, well, OK, thank you very much. That's uh, Nikki Styrus and Ross Carl this morning. Uh, they were on the panel uh, and very interesting, uh, yeah, mathematically, we keep saying that, you're dead right. Mathematically, they still do have a chance. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.